The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a fresh, brand new episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. Hopefully, you're having a great Friday. Hopefully, you had a fantastic week, and hopefully, you have some great plans coming up for this coming weekend. It has been hot, humid, sticky, gross, disgusting outside here in New England the past couple of days. Record highs in Boston, I believe close to, if not record-breaking, in Providence. Absolutely crazy and nuts. It's, like, difficult to, to you know, do anything outside with this heat. But, like I've said time and time again, I would absolutely prefer this heat over freezing cold. So, that's where I stand on it. I love it. I like it. And you know what? Before we know it, it there's going to be cold weather here and all of the pu- pumpkin spice basic people are going to be wishing they were on the beach sipping Coronas, high noons, hard seltzers, margaritas, whatever it may be, whatever their fancy is. So enjoy the summer while it's still here, folks, because before we know it, it's going to going to be September, October, November and the dreaded cold winter will be upon us. But anyways... How is everybody doing? Thank you so much for joining me. We have a lot to talk about in this episode, a lot of Patriots stuff to actually really dive into after their first preseason game against the Washington football team where the New England Patriots won 22-13. to I will talk about the Bruins later on in this episode because I feel like that's going to be the big chunk of this segment, and I kind of want to knock off a couple smaller topics in the beginning just to kind of you know, brush them off first so we can, you know, clear that out of the way so we can just dedicate the rest of this episode to the New England Patriots where I will be diving into this and that about the team and how they performed, which I think overall they performed very well. But 
that's all I'm going to say about the Patriots right now because there is a little bit of breaking news that actually broke today, and that's in regards to former Patriots running back, ironically enough. Dion Lewis has decided to retire from the NFL. Now, for those that may not know Dion Lewis, he's a former Patriots running back who helped the team win the Super Bowl back in 2016 uh, for the Patriots when they defeated the Atlanta Falcons that year in the immaculate 28 to 3 comeback win for the New England Patriots. Uh, Lewis joined the team back in 2015 after getting cut by both the Eagles and the Browns. He was with us for a couple seasons, and then I believe his last year was in 2017 when he would eventually go on to sign a a nice lucrative contract with the Tennessee Titans. And it was kind of like him and Derrick Henry, two complete opposite running backs where Henry's like 6'6", 260, all muscle, and Deion Lewis is like 5'7", short, quick, speedy, uh, catch-passing back. So complete opposites down in Tennessee. And then he would go on to play with the New York Giants for a season, I believe. I believe just one season back in 2020. Well, I guess last year, I should say. However, he decided to uh, hang him up. Literally, I don't know when he made this decision, but the news literally just broke 10 minutes before I started recording. So I was like, oh, this would be a good little topic to lead off with. But apparently, Deion Lewis was getting some interest from, I believe, the Seattle Seahawks, according to the, according to the report. Um, despite hearing interest from NFL teams as recently as last week. So there's been multiple teams interested in Dion Lewis and however he still decides to hang it up uh 10 year career I, I believe he's like 31 32 let me just double check that see how old he is how old is Dion Lewis 30 he's only 30 years old so I mean he's you know deciding to hang it up a little bit on the younger side but we've seen plenty of athletes do this before Rob Gronkowski you know recently for the Patriots Calvin Johnson Luke Keekley it's definitely not out of the norm 10 years in the league you paid your due diligence, so I mean, what more do you have left? You're a Super Bowl champion, besides maybe making like you know a couple million dollars if you're lucky. I mean, he might be on league minimum at this point. And I know you heard my phone go off, so I do have my phone on loud because I am expecting a a phone call from the sign people, or sign company who's putting up the official Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. A sign signage you know like a store directory that you see on the street or above the brick and mortar building so I have my phone on loud because I don't want to miss that phone call so you know a couple things may pop up uh, just please ignore that I do apologize yeah I could have my phone on vibrate and I could just see who's calling I might switch to that if you know snapchats and instagrams or facebook notifications you know kind of get too out of hand but before we leave the Dion Lewis topic I do kind of want to say that you know he was a he was a fun uh, running back to watch. He really was, like I said, you know, small, speedy, shifty. You know, could really get in between the tackles, and you know, he had a low center of gravity, so he can kind of really shed those bigger guys a little bit easier than maybe a average size or a larger running back. So, him to hang it up with t- teams still interested. I mean, maybe the money uh, he's he's like thinking that it's pointless to play if for like you know league minimum or like a million dollars. When he's already, you know, got his bag, you know, when the Titans decided to pay him. You know what? Good for him deciding to end uh, end his career on his terms, you know, when he wants to. And not like an injury is pushing him out of the league or like a, or, you know, he just sucks, you know, pushing him out of the league. You know, he actually had interest in, you know, I know I mentioned the Seattle Seahawks. They're, 
I believe they were one of them. I'm sure there's a couple other teams. Like I said, the article says, you know, interest from NFL teams. So there's more than at least the Seahawks. But congratulations on a fantastic career, Deion Lewis, if you do decide to not make a return, which obviously at your age being 30 is a possibility, but I highly doubt that. So great career. Awesome to watch when you were with the Patriots, whether it was kick returns or running the ball, catching the ball in the backfield. Really super cool to watch. That is going to transition us. I know I kind of mentioned uh, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, so I guess this is a good time to kind of talk about the shop real quick while we kind of transition between topics. And that is obviously my shop, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, officially underway. The ground has been, you know, ground is broken. Facebook page is now live. Uh, Kim and I made that a couple days ago. It's, you know, on Facebook. Just type in Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. Sports shop. And honestly, can't really miss it. I'm super excited that it's up there. And I do kind of want to mention three things. Three things about the Facebook page. One of them is the event that I'm running the day before I open. So this event is a sneak peek meet and greet, which is basically an event on August 25th at 6 p.m., where which is a Wednesday. And it's literally just come by, hang out. Let me say thank you for your support. You know, if you don't know me too well, let me introduce myself, show you around, see what I've been doing the past month and what I've been planning for over a year now. And I just want to show people and, you know, express to people whether it's, you know, my gratitude, thanks, or, you know, like, hey, look at look at this. It's going to be a small event. I'm anticipating. I don't think, it's you know, there's going to be a large crowd. It'd be great if there was. Trust me, that'd be fantastic. But it's just something low-key, just like I said, so I can express my thanks, gratitude, show you what I've been doing for the past uh, month, pat, you know, planning for the past year. And just so you guys can see what Murph's Car Town truly is a night before it opens. And that leads me to the grand opening, which is going to be on August 26th, which is a Thursday at 12 p.m. That is when doors officially open for business. I know I've been kind of tinkering with the uh, an opening date of that day, this day. haven't mentioned anything uh, publicly, whether through podcast or social media, but I have kind of tinkered with this day, that day, and I finally landed on a good day. I believe Thursday, August 26th is the day that doors will officially open at 12 p.m. 12 to 8 will be the official hours, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday is 10 to 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'm really excited that it's finally out there. People know about it, and I really am excited to get this wheels going on not only the sneak peek meet and greet, but also the grand opening as well. A lot of planning, a lot of work has gone into it from not just me, but other people. Well, Kim podcast and the YouTube channel favorite, of course. My mother has helped out here and there as well. So my friend Adilson, who I know listens to the podcast, other people that I need to thank as well. But that's just the first few that I can think of. All those thanks, though, will be given uh, properly and accordingly to the sneak peek meet and greet. Um, But the grand opening, though, is something that I do want to uh, address because Murph's uh, Boston Sports Talk has always been a segue to the inevitable card shop, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, which I have mentioned plenty of times at the beginning of the podcast, you know, when I first started in January, and definitely the past, you know, month, six, eight weeks or so when the 
the card shop really got its legs underneath it when I was really going to push forward with opening said business. So that are the two events that I'm really excited for. I hope to see you at at least one of them would be nice. You know, if you can't make it to the grand opening, that's cool. It'd be nice if you could stop by for the sneak peek. If you can't make the sneak peek meet and greet, then, you know, be nice if you could swing by on the grand opening. If not, Merch Card Town and Sports Shop will be open six days a week, you know, from here until whenever. <laughs> so, I mean, you got plenty of time to come on in, say hi, buy some product, cards, whatever it may be. And then the third thing that I want to talk about in regards to the shop is that pre-orders are now officially live, whether it's for the card shop, a t-shirt for the card shop, or a t-shirt for the podcast. I'm super excited to finally release and publish this pre-order because I know I've gotten some interest specifically around the podcast because that's been out um, a lot longer than obviously the, the card shop. But to have them both, the pod podcast and the card shop, have them both out there for people to pre-order and then when the store opens to purchase for themselves, extremely exciting. And I'm really excited to just have that out there. I can't wait to see people with, you know, either the card shop or the podcast t-shirts on. And then as the weather gets colder, I eventually want to transition into some hoodies, uh, maybe some beanies, you know, plans down the road once the shop, uh, the card shop really takes off. But, um, yeah, I'll just kind of mention it here. Uh, it's $25 a shirt with free shipping anywhere in the United States. 25 bucks. You can Venmo me through uh, Venmo me or Cash App at Murph's Card Town. And all you got to do is just comment your preferred size and your address with the shirt that you want. It's $25 per shirt. Like I said, free shipping anywhere in the United States. So again, just to recap... Venmo or Cash App me at Murph's Card Town. $25 if you buy in one shirt. You know, however many shirts you want, just, you know, pay accordingly. All you got to do in the comments is tell me what shirt or shirts you want, your size, and then the shipping address. And that's it. And the pre-orders will be closing on August 25th, the night of the sneak peek, at 11.59 or midnight that night. However, shirts can be purchased in shop once the shop opens. So if you do miss the pre-orders, no worries. You'll be able to buy them in shop there as well. So again, really appreciate all the love and support that I've been getting from people to even be able to do this. It has been a super big blessing and I can't be any more excited, happy, and thrilled to not only be in this position, but to be able to do this because it's, I'm just getting a little emotional, sorry, I'm just to be able to, you know, share my passion and love for not only sports, but sports memorabilia, sports cards, Boston sports, the teams, the players, the athletes, and and share that with you, the podcast listeners, and then customers that come into the shop, whether it's you or someone else that may not even listen to the podcast. It's just... It's it's humbling, to put it that way. It, it's very humbling. But all right, Whew. all right. Let me. Okay, that's out of my system now. Okay, the 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 softness is. Let me let me just get some water. Hold on. 
Got to stay hydrated in this heat. Tell me about it. <sighs> All right. Um, by the way, make sure you're drinking water out there because, like I said, it is hot, humid, and it is gross outside. Easily, easily get dehydrated and pass out from heat exhaustion. Anyways, let me talk about the Bruins point that I wanted to discuss, and then after that we can go right into Patriots preseason week number one, or game number one at least. And this is an article from 98.5 The Sports Hub, written by Ty Anderson. Headlining, Jake DeBrusque seems to be in the Bruins' plans for the 2021-2022 season. Now, before I go into the article, I do want to mention that I was a big proponent of the Bruins trading him or exposing him to Seattle in the expansion draft. If you exposed him, you might have been able to you know, catch their interest and you would have been able to keep Jeremy Lozon. But since they protected him, I think a lot of people thought that the Bruins were protecting him in efforts to trade him. And I mentioned here on the podcast that if you do this, you, if you protect him and then you trade him, then you, your return better be good. It better not be some, you know, shitty fourth round pick, right? That'd be extremely dissatisfactory to us. Because he was a former first-round pick, I believe, in 2015, 2016. It was the year that the Bruins had like five first-round picks in a row. I think it was 2016. Anyways, let me read the article. After the worst season of his NHL career and after the Bruins re-signed Taylor Hall to a long-term deal, some were wondering if DeBrusque's days in Boston were over. Some were even wondering if DeBrusque was going to be exposed to Seattle, to the Seattle Kraken with the Bruins potentially looking to get out of his real money due in 2021-22, $4.85 million in actual money compared to $3.67 million cap hit, with an expensive off-season wish list on the agenda. And it certainly didn't help the Bruins opened up free agency by signing three left-shot forwards, all of whom have significant left-wing experience and project to be fixtures in the team's bottom six forward grouping. But where in the dog days of the off-season, DeBrusque is still a Bruin, and the Bruins head coach, Bruce Cassidy, seems to be making his 21-22 plans with DeBrusque in mind and with a home on the black and gold's third line out of the gate. Quote, Jake obviously on the left side with a third line behind Brad and Taylor Hall, being Brad Marchand, would be a good fit for him to start, Cassidy said. Quote, if Jake ends up as the third line left winger and he's, going, and he's not going against top pairs, maybe as much as he he's used to, so you can convince him to bring a little bit more in that regard. Uh, come on, scroll down. This, of course, has been the bee's ask out of DeBrusque for too long to count on. They've re repeatedly said that if DeBrusque isn't scoring, he needs to find other ways to impact the game. Or at the very least, create his own luck versus relying on a bounce to go his way. The success of a strong third line, especially on a Stanley Cup contender, is often predicted on those kind of details, so that seems unlikely to change when it comes to their requests out of number 74 once again. The Bruins are also in an unfamiliar spot here too with Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, and Nick Foligno yet to report to town and find their fit within the B's mix. The Bruins aren't even sure who will be centering their second line. They have a clear favorite in mind, but that's just until the Blades touch the ice sometime in September. That makes someone like the 24-year-old DeBrusque flaws 
and struggles and everything in between still a potentially viable part of the equation given his experience and past success in town. Quote, we've got some new faces down there that we don't know a lot about, Cassie admitted. Quote, they should be excited to find their place in the lineup. We'll see where it goes with the other guys. End quote. Now, I can take a lot away from this, and I'm sure you can too, is that, yeah, you signed three guys with left-wing experience who are also left shots. However, you also have a hole to fill the center position on the second line. Now, when he's, when it's quoted that, let me go find it. It's not quoted, but they have a clear favorite in mind. Who could that be? Well, I'm personally thinking, now I could be wrong, I'm personally thinking that it's Charlie Coyle. Because he has second line experience. He's been on the third line past couple seasons for the Bruins. He's played on the second line here in Boston as a right winger, I believe it is. So could we see him bump up? Absolutely. Could we see, um, come on, scroll down. (laughs) Could we see Nick Foligno play center on the third line or even the second line where he has experience at center position? Absolutely. But the fact that you have Eric Halla and Thomas Nosek along with Jake DeBrusque is a little concerning. There is a hole on the fourth line, so picture one of them going there. That leaves one and Jake DeBrusque, assuming Felino goes to center. I, I I don't know. Are you going to right wing you know, DeBrusque or whoever's not on the fourth line? I, I mean, I guess. Could Jake DeBrusque still be a potential trade uh Peace? Absolutely. And I feel like a trade right now may not be right for the team because they still want to kind of let the offseason play out, see what other minor moves they can do to improve the team. Because Jake DeBrusque, at heart, is a very good player. He is. He had an abysmal season last year. And, you know, he's been declining ever since 2018, I believe it was, when he scored like 26 goals or whatever it may be. So how high is his trade value? He's young, he's a former first-round pick, he's kind of, I don't want to say expensive, but in you know, hockey world, when you're making around $4 million, I mean, that's nothing to you know set aside because the cap you know is a hard cap in hockey. It's not like it is in basketball where it's like, oh, here's the cap, here's a soft cap, here's a hard cap, here's the luxury tax. And it's just, you know, basketball is just, I hate how money is in basketball. I hate how money moves in football, although they have a hard cap as well. Hockey truly has a hard cap where you can't move money unless you have a contract. So come training camp for the Bruins, you know, could DeBrusque be on the move then? Yeah, maybe a team, you know, Team X finds out that they have a need on the third line for a winger or a little soft at that position. They might go out, you know, call the Bruins and be like, hey, is DeBrusque still available? And honestly, I think DeBrusque is the only one that will potentially be moved. I don't see them trading any of the new guys that they just brought in. I don't know the trade rules or, you know, the fine details of, you know, signing a player and then flipping them. Because I know in basketball, if you sign a player in the offseason, you have to wait like 90 days from the, you know, when the season starts or December 15th is usually, you know, when you can kind of move on from players that you just recently signed. But... Regardless, I don't think, you know, Eric Halla or Thomas uh, Nisak would be here if they were just going to trade him, right? I mean, they're obviously here for a reason, whether it's for depth, to push DeBrusque, push the younger guys. 
But I think they're here for a reason, and that's to push towards the Stanley Cup. And the Bruins are desperately in need of one. Will Jake DeBrusque help them get there? I don't know. But I think a trade involving Jake DeBrusque could help them now and maybe for the future. Getting a player in a third-round pick or something like that, a player in a second, I, I don't know. It's just DeBrusque's value is low right now. So maybe at the trade deadline you move on from him where his his value could go up after playing for a couple of months. It's just going to be a wait-and-see kind of game. But you know, to kind of hear Bruce Cassidy say that, yeah, he's in the plans, he's in the picture right now, third line is where we have him you know, slated. He was on the second line until Taylor Hall got here. But now he's on the third line. It might be a little bit easier for him to kind of groom. He's still only 24 years old, so he's still fairly young. We're just going to have to wait and see how training camp preseason all lays out. And I honestly think he'll still be on the roster for opening day or opening night. But after that, I'm not too I'm not too sure. Come trade deadline, I could absolutely see Jake DeBrusque on the move. But nonetheless, he is here now. He is here for the season. And we're just going to have to see where it goes. But let me know your thoughts about this one, especially. Because, I mean, did you want Jake DeBrusque you know, to be exposed or protected come the expansion draft for Seattle? Did you want the Bruins to just straight up trade him? Or do you actually want him here in town because you believe in him? Let me know. I did change my social media handles. I probably should have mentioned this earlier. But it is no longer at Murphs underscore Boston ST. It has been changed. It has changed. Social media handles on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Murph's Card Town. Simple. No underscores, no numbers, no abbreviations, just Murph's Card Town. It's the name of the, well, I guess the first part of the name of the shop. So I'm trying to really immerse it. Murph's Boston Sports Talk is under the umbrella of the Card Town, so it only made sense that the social media was the card shop name. So reach out to me on social media at Murph's Card Town. I want to hear your thoughts about Jake DeBrusque. Did you want the Bruins to expose him in the expansion draft? Did you want the Bruins to trade him at some point this offseason? Or do you want the Bruins to keep him for the upcoming season because you believe in him and you like the way he plays? Let me know. Or if you're also watching this on YouTube, please comment down below as I would love to to hear what you have to say in regards to Jake DeBrusque and the Bruins' plans with him. You can find me on YouTube at Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. The YouTube uh, channel name has changed as well, so fair warning over there. However, Murph's Boston Sports Talk will still be published to the YouTube channel. Vlogs, history of old New England teams, all the good stuff that, sorry, I'm like trying to like, cover my hiccups and burps and stuff i just had some water all the stuff that you know and love from the youtube channel will stay the same it will not change it's just the name is the only thing that has kind of adjusted <laughs> and the only thing has changed so quick recap murph's card town sports shop is the name of the youtube channel and social media twitter instagram facebook at murph's card town that's it pretty straight up I'll probably mention this in the next few episodes just as a quick reminder in case someone has missed an episode here or there and just to make sure that I am frequently updating, you know, listeners for those that may know of the old social media handles and the old YouTube name. So I want to make sure everyone stays up to date. But anyways, 
we are now going to talk about New England Patriots football preseason game week number one. Oh my goodness, it was so awesome to watch the Patriots on a football field competing against another NFL team and not just, you know, the second stringer or the, you know, themselves, right? I have a lot to take away from this game, and let me just pull up my notes because I was at the, you know, bar, bar 101 next door. Go check them out if you're in the Rhode Island, New England area. Great food. I know the owners. There are two awesome guys have helped me out, you know, throughout the whole way that I've been, you know, building and setting up Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop. The second or third night or whatever, they had an oven in my shop that when the shop was vacant. And they were just like kind of storing it here because they didn't have the extra space at the time. And one of the owners came over with a pizza, said, hey, my bad, this will be out tomorrow. Here's a pizza. And I'm like, yo, thank you so much. No worries about the oven. It's cool. You know, Kim and I devoured that pizza. It was delicious. Anyways, Patriots. Let me go over, before I get into some statistics, let me go over what I have to say from my notes. Now, Please do note, I only watched the first half of the game because I was at the bar. iPad was dying, which I was, you know, typing the notes on. Food came out, ate it, delicious, didn't really want to stay there. Plus, I wanted to go home and, you know, see Kim, see my fiance, my future wife, and just be like, hey, what's up? Haven't really seen you all day. Anyways, Patriots game takeaways. First one, this is like no order, really. It's just from what I was able to see. And I'm glad it was only the first half because that's you know predominantly when the starters were in anyways i know i'm kind of digressing i noticed the starters played extended reps in preseason game number one which i literally just kind of alluded to is that the starters got a lot of reps in this game usually in the first preseason game when it was a four game format for the preseason your starters would get one maybe two series both offense and defense the second string the third stringers and you know there'd be you know a lot of rotation afterwards with only three games now in the preseason, they, they took it a little bit more serious. You know, They wanted players to get their feet wet. They wanted to kind of work on a few things, see what works, see what doesn't. Get players in the flow of things. Get looks at players that may be on the cusp of starting. And it was kind of refreshing because we haven't seen these guys in months, right? Uh, you know, Mac Jones, We, you know, I know he's part of the second string, but he also played some first string reps. It's good to see him out there. It was good to see Damian Harris out there, James White. I know James White didn't play. Uh, J.J. Taylor, excuse me. A lot of the defense to see J.C. Jackson, McCourty, and all the defensive guys, you know, Matt Judon, Dave and Godchow. So it was really refreshing to see a lot of these starters out there playing extended reps. And how I, I mentioned this last time on Monday's episode, how – our team's going to approach the preseason games with only three games now. I kind of out, outlined how game one, well, at least how I think. Game one, starters will play a little bit, get their feet wet, acclimate, all the good stuff I said. Game two, starters will probably play deep into the second half, three, three and a half quarters. And then the third game is kind of when the bubble players will kind of take over and, you know, second stringers will really play the predominance, you know, most of that game, kind of like what you would see in week four in the old format, let the starters, you know, rest, give them kind of a bye week, essentially, as, you know, 
training camp all you know all of August really and kind of just let them take the week off before the long 17 game 18 week regular season kicks off anyways next point defense was really solid on third down stops uh they were really I don't want to say they were I mean I guess they were kind of bending and not breaking but I feel like you know the football team was really able to kind of have a couple nice plays and then the defense would be like all right second down all right third down let's get a stop here and they held them without a point in the first quarter. Second quarter, they got a touchdown. So first half, you know, I'm just going to kind of assume that the defense uh, played, defensive starters at least, played the most of the first half. That's not bad. You know, you got guys coming back from COVID. You got new guys that you brought in. The defense wasn't really that good last year except the secondary. No Stephon Gilmore out there. Washington football team, granted what the record was, they were a playoff team. Really good last year. Up and coming, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. They just brought in Adam Humphreys as well. Pass catchers, uh, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Uh, who's the tight end? Uh, Logan Thomas, even. So, I mean, there's some you know decent names out there, really good names. And I think the Patriots defense was able to really perform very well against it. I know that it's the Washington football team. They were under 500 team, but listen, they were a a playoff team. They got Fitz magic as the quarterback and they got some decent weapons on offense. So I really liked what I saw from the defense as a whole in the first half bending, not breaking, especially for the first game against a real team where you're able to hit and tackle. I was impressed. Third point cam was able to make a couple throws that you or I could make. <laughs> now, I'm not impressed by this. I'm not impressed by the throws he was able to make. But, but, at least he was able to make throws. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Well, we saw countless times that he could not throw the ball last year. Media, radio, me, you, we all said it. Cam Newton cannot throw the ball. However, he was able to make a couple of nice throws. And now when I say nice, I mean tight ends open five yards in the middle of the field on a curl route. Running back was five yards on a swing route. And he was able to hit him. It was at least reassuring to see that Cam Newton can make a five to ten yard throw. Right? He finished four for seven with 49 yards. I'm not impressed by that stat line. I think it's kind of first preseason game-ish, I guess, whatever, so I'll take it. But, like, I, I don't know. I wasn't impressed at all by Cam Newton. But if Bill Belichick will have him as a starter, at least I know that he can make the five-yard passes, right? So that's something to, to kind of work off of. He can make the five-yard passes again. Next point, Mac Jones actually got first-string reps, and he looked good out there. Now, I didn't know what to expect. It was said that they were going to split time, Mac Jones and Cam Newton, that they were both going to get first-string reps, which is awesome. However, you say that, does that actually happen? Who knows? But he was able to get the first-string reps today, uh, not today, yesterday, and he was good. He was really good. Passing, he looked good. Play calling, commanding the offense. He didn't look like a rookie. He looked like a quarterback that knew what he was doing, making the right reads, play calls, passes, decisions. I know he was, and I keep mentioning this, that he was regarded as the best NFL now-ready quarterback. Not the quarterback with the most potential, 
you know, like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. But if you need a quarterback right now, which the Patriots do, then Mac Jones is the best of the bunch. And he came as advertised. I was very, very impressed. And there was a dime in the end zone that went to, I believe, Christian Wilkerson, who's number 17. Because I wrote number 17 down because I didn't get to see who it was. But I believe it ended up being Christian Wilkerson, uh, a guy Patriots brought in this offseason. Absolute good throw. It was like a 35-ish or so yard throw. And it was a contested ball. But Wilkerson did drop it. Am I upset that Wilkerson didn't catch it? No, because like I said, it was contested. The uh, defensive back was kind of coming down on him to kind of interrupt it. But the hands weren't, the hands weren't affected at potentially catching the ball but my god that throw was so so good perfect ball placement either my guy gets it or no one gets it it wasn't underthrown it wasn't overthrown it was beautiful now could christian wilkerson slow down or something to kind of you know kind of catch up to it I don't think so. I think Wilkerson was just running full speed on a seam route to the end zone. It's kind of towards the, the, not the back corner, but kind of where that front pylon is. So if Wilkerson caught it, he would have been in as long as he got his two feet in. It was, it was like that. It was, oh, it was such a great throw. And it was so nice to see a ball throw that well. I know it was incomplete, but the fact that the ball was thrown with precision, accuracy, and that sexy. Haven't seen it in, in a long time, probably since Brady. Also, continuing with Mac Jones, he looked like a true pocket quarterback. The Tom Brady's of the world, the Mannings of the world, Dan Marino, guys that don't run but know how to move in, move around in the pocket. There is a huge difference between a scrambler and a pocket quarterback, which I'm sure we all know. But a pocket quarterback has fantastic footwork fantastic movement and like knowledge of the pocket when they feel and sense the pressure coming from the edge they know to move right up into the pocket and I think that movement is incredible by just a quarterback period not just Mac Jones but just a quarterback period Tom Brady was able to do it very well still does Peyton Manning did it very well uh Mac Jones dropped back Moved up a little bit, moved around the pocket, made some good throws. I did see him scramble once. I think he's credited with a rush for no yards. Two rushes for no yards, at least. Um, Not taking sacks. I don't know how many sacks that the football team defense got. Does it say defense? Uh, There was a half a sack on Rotimi, half a sack on Bada. I know Chase Young got a strip sack. Well, at least we thought it was a strip sack at first, but it was an incomplete pass. So I don't know where those that uh, one sack is coming from. Was it on Brian Hoyer? Maybe yeah, Brian Hoyer. One carry, negative one yards. So there's your sack. Cam New, uh, not Cam New. Mac Jones taking no sacks. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Like I said, being able to move up in the pocket, really reminiscing of you know the great pocket quarterbacks that we know and love from the games past. But when he was able to, when he had to scramble, he you know scrambled to make sure that there was no negative plays. Uh, I guess I'll just talk about Mac Jones' stats while we're talking about him. 13 of 19 
passing the ball for 87 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. For those at home, 13 uh, divided by 19 is 68% passing the ball. Now, 87 yards on 13 completions is kind of you know low, but then again, the Patriots wanted to do a lot of things for Mac Jones that he was comfortable doing. Short passes, checkdowns, guaranteed completions, non-contested plays. Get him in the flow, in the rhythm of not just the Pats offense, but just an NFL game. The offense in general, yes. Get a feel for the defense. Know your guys a little bit better now that you're, you know, taking hits from NFL, you know, defenders and not just, you know, being two-hand touched with a red jersey on. You're actually out there potentially getting hit. Your guys are out there getting hit. So going 13 for 19, 68%, 87 yards, I loved it. I loved it. I really do. And he got significant, significantly more playing time over Cam Newton. Now, what does that say? Does that say Mac Jones is a starter? Absolutely not. A lot of the starters didn't play as much as other starters because they, you know first quarter, second quarter rolls around, second stringers kind of rotate in. Starters don't really come in as often unless it was like a key play maybe or something that offense or defense respectively wanted to specifically work on for that play. But 13 and 19, 87 yards for Mac Jones, a fantastic, fantastic game number one for the rookie. Could not have been happier with his performance. I really liked what I saw from him. Moving on from Mac Jones, though, uh, Kyle Duggar, uh, someone I'm really high on this year. I didn't like the pick last year. Well, first of all, I didn't like the Patriots trading back into the second round. But they did draft Kyle Duggar last year. He was solid last year. And however, this year, a lot of high expectations. Pat Chung, role kind of guy, and he was really he had really good on ball skills as a safety covering tight ends. Um, he reminds me of a younger Tyron Matthew, chess piece versatility player on defense, and that's kind of what he's being compared to. Is Tyron Matthew maybe not skill wise, but potential, the versatility, the usage, like a Tyron Matthew, and I really think Kyle Duggar can fill that you know Matthew role for us here on the Patriots because I. I think the Patriots, or maybe almost any defense, needs that versatility chess piece. A Tyron Matthew, a Pat Chung, a Isaiah Simmons, who replaced Tyron Matthew out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, for the Cardinals. A, G- a Jabril Peppers out of college, out of Michigan, I believe it was. A player like that who can line up as a safety in the secondary, who can line up against wide receivers. If you need me to cover a tight end, I will. Running backs out of the backfield, I'll take them. Someone that I don't care who I'm guarding, I'm going to guard them, and I'm going to do a good job at it. And I really think Kyle Duggar has that potential right there, and he did a lot of that last year, and it was good to see him having good on-ball. He had cornerback-like skills covering the tight end. On I saw on one play, but also on other plays, he was really good defensively. Uh, there was a noticeable difference in defensive plays between the first string, or the starters, I should say, and the second unit when Washington was on the ball. So what I mean by that is how I mentioned countless times that the Patriots in both you know the football team had their offenses out there, or the first strings, I should say, extended period of time on offense and defense. However, once the second unit for the Patriots started to come in, that bend-don't-break, that good defense that I talked about earlier, kind of started to fade away a little bit and it was a significant notice 
when you saw other players that weren't, you know, Matthew Judon, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, JC Jackson, those kind of players out there. I don't want to say it was shocking, but it was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't, you know, I was at the bar, so I didn't have, you know, the commentary of the game, but you were able to, able to see it with your eyes. And, you know, I don't know if it's under, underwhelming, but it's something to keep note of come the second and third preseason game is how is the transition from first string to the second string and then maybe even the third string going to pan out in the midst of a game if the other team maybe still has their starters or their second string out there while you have your third string out there. So a lot of great things to take away. A lot of things the Patriots still need to work on, obviously, on both sides of the ball. I do kind of want to go over one player in particular, and that's Ramondre Stevenson, who the Patriots selected, I believe, in the fourth round it is. Excuse me, I got a drink. Gotta stay hydrated. Talking, you know, like this on a podcast really kind of parches your throat. So, plus the heat, gotta stay hydrated. Gotta, gotta stay hydrated. But anyways, Ramondre Stevenson, 10 carries, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, wait. Before you overreact at, whoa, we had 127 yards on 10 carries? I'm sure, as you know by now, one of them was a 91-yard touchdown run so 127 minus 91 is 38 so let's picture nine carries for 38 yards and one touchdown still the favored back out of sony michelle damian harris jj taylor i liked what i saw from him he was a really good runner he's a big body he's he's got a body of like legarrett blunt but he moves better than legarrett blunt like I believe Stevenson is here to be that big body bruising back. But when he was able to break a, a run out like that, it was saying, whoa, I didn't know the big guy can move like that. So I liked what I saw. And I think the running back core is going to be a really interesting battle this year for Stevenson, Michelle, Harris, Taylor, James White, of course. What are the Patriots going to do? Well, could probably shoe in James White and Damian Harris as you know the two main guys jj taylor was here last year a lot of time on the practice squad he did play a couple games at least one game and i remember he like returned a couple balls um had a couple handoffs he's a smaller guy i mean he's kind of like the same stature as Dion lewis ironically enough who we talked about earlier could he make the team i know he has a lot of uh, special teams potential as a returner so he might just make the team as a returner and then like an emergency running back in all honesty, and then the battle turns to uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Sony Michelle. And honestly, I know a lot of people want Sony Michelle out of here. I know Michelle has been shopped around a little bit in the offseason, or at least reports and rumors where the Patriots were shopping him in the offseason. But a former first-round pick, if you do trade, for, uh, move on from him via a trade, what are you going to get in return? He hasn't really done anything that has been super super exciting except his rookie year during the Super Bowl run when they uh you know beat the Rams in the Super Bowl like that playoff run from Michelle was really good and really promising and then you know looking at it in hindsight Belichick taking a running back in the first round to begin with was kind of confusing because you have uh James White I believe you still had LeGarrette Blount at the time did you really need one I did have Rex Burkhead did you really need him? 
and then when you really deep dive deep into it, you look back and you're like, oh, you could have had Nick Chubb. They both went to Georgia. You took Sony Michelle in the first round. The Browns took him like 10 picks later or something like that in the second round. It's like, oh, why, why, why? Like, I know Nick Chubb had that freak injury when he was a freshman, you know, where he like tore his MCL, PCL, LCL, basically everything but the ACL. And his knee just looked, oh, I, I, I hate talking about it. I hate even thinking about it. But I hope that wasn't the reason why you picked Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb because I think personally out of college, I liked Nick Chubb better. I know they split a lot of time their last year together. Oh, but oh, man, how big time you messed that up, Bill. You could have had Nick Chubb, a staple at running back, who is a staple at running back for the Cleveland Browns. And that two-headed monster of him and Kareem Hunt, wow, that makes that offense really move. But imagine you have Nick Chubb, then you have James White. Do you even draft Damian Harris? Probably not. I mean, you still need like a third guy, but I, I don't know. Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson will make the team regardless. And obviously being a fourth-round pick, how much playing time will he get? I don't know. But Sony Michelle is battling for his job right now, and I really hope the Patriots don't just cut him and wave him. Just shop him around trade him, at least get something in return so you're not fully wasting a first-round pick because that would just be absolutely depressing and such an L that Belichick would have to hold. Um, I know I talked about him earlier, but Christian Wilkerson, six receptions, 39 yards, had that drop in the end zone. Is it a drop? It, you know, it was contested. It is what it is, but six for 39, very nice. J.J. JJ Taylor had a lot of action in the passing game going five for 31. And, oh, I did... James White did play. I thought he was inactive this game, but he did play. He had two receptions for 22 yards, no carries. I thought he was on the inactive list. Huh. Anyways, it was good to see um, all the running backs basically get some playing time, which is very nice to see. Defensively, Harvey Lange, usually a, a depth guy or a special teamer, had seven tackles. Uh, who else? Ronnie Perkins, Miles Bryant, Michael Jackson Jr. Or senior, sorry. Uh, Nick Thurman, Montrevious Adams all had four tackles each. Bunch of guys with three, two, one. And then where is my guy? I want to talk about Quinn Norton. I don't know who this guy is. He went to school. Where did you, where'd you graduate from? Michigan? Michigan, yeah. Okay, so he played at Michigan. He was a kicker at Michigan. And... Patriots bring him in to obviously kick field goals. Duh, right? <laughs> because you are not satisfied with who is the kicker that you drafted last year in the fifth round who had like the uh, the tattoo. I forget what kind of tattoo it was, but he like didn't know there was like a you know underlying meaning behind it and that he was like, all right, I'll, I'll get it covered up. No worries. And you also have Nick Folk. Oh, what was his name? It was a weird, weird name. It was, I, I forget what it was. But anyways, Quinn Norton comes into town. He is the Patriots' only undrafted free agent signee for this year. You know, I mean, Malcolm Butler, um, J.C. Jackson, those guys, undrafted free agents. Um, Norton. Undrafted free agent. Only one this year for the Patriots. And he goes, uh, where is it? Three for three 
hitting field goals. He had his long was 50 yards, and he accumulated 10 points total last night. So uh, three, six, nine field goals, nine points in field goals, and then a PAT. Hey, I'll absolutely take that. I'll absolutely, absolutely take that. I saw I saw number three shot out there, and I had no idea who it was because I know Folk is six, and the other guy I can't remember his name. Is he even still with the team anymore? I know the Patriots like released him, and then they brought him back for the practice squad. Anyways, he runs out there. I'm like, who's this guy? Drills a 35 yarder right down the middle. Looked good from about 80. High exaggeration, but you get it. I'm like, damn, that's nice to see. We haven't had you know a kick like that in a long time. I mean, granted. Nick Folk has, you know, done a fairly, fairly, really good job. Steven Guskowski, fantastic kicker throughout his career, kind of tailed off towards the end. But nonetheless, Quinn Nordine comes in and just slaps three for, and he goes three for three, long 50, 10, po- 10 points in total. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So my three key players of the game. Mac Jones, number one, no order, no order. Mac Jones, number one. Ramondre Stevenson, number two. And then Quinn Nordine, number three. Mac Jones, I want to see more of him. I want to see another, you know, 13 of 19 for maybe 120 yards next time. Give me a touchdown in there. Ramondre Stevenson, I want to see him battle Sony Michelle for that, I guess, third running back position behind Harris, behind. James White, who's more of a pass catcher. So is he really a handoff kind of guy? No. I think J.J. Taylor is going to serve more as a kick returner than a running back. But the versatility, it will be there. And I'm sure, you know, he'll get some handoffs here and there. But Ramondre Stevenson versus Sony Michelle, I'm really looking forward to that. So Ken Stevenson beat out Michelle for that extra, I don't want to say extra, but that fourth running back spot. Do I see the Patriots keeping all five? Absolutely not. So Sony Michelle really needs to ball out. He had six carries for 26 yards, 4.3 average last night. Not terrible. Uh, really good, I guess, in game number one. Like to see more, obviously, from him too, but I'm going to be looking forward to that battle. And then I guess seeing more Quinn Nordine or Norden, just to see more of him. I mean, is the three for three a fluke? Is he actually this consistent? Is he actually this good? Why did he go undrafted if he's this good? I don't know, but 50-yard field goal, I didn't get to see the 50-yarder, so I don't know if it was good for maybe 60. I don't know if it just barely made it. But from what I saw in him last night, it's promising at the place-kicking position. But that's going to really wrap it up for all my thoughts, opinions, takes that I have about the Patriots game Last night, like I said, they won 22-13 to against the Washington football team here at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Awesome to see the Patriots just period back out on the field. It could have been a win or loss. doesn't matter. Good to have them back out there. A lot of great things for the team to take away from this game. A lot of things that they still need to work on for their next game against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia on August 19th at 7.30 p.m. I'll probably talk a little bit more about the Patriots come Monday. I'm not going to dive in about the Red Sox because I'm in a really good mood right now and the Red Sox are just aggravating and pissing me off. So I'm going to put them on pause, table them until Monday's episode. Maybe this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles, they maybe sweep them and maybe change my change my viewpoint of them. Maybe, hopefully. I don't know. 
And real quick before I leave, something that kind of bugs me right now is I'm looking. Uh, I just typed in Patriots to get the scoreboard and all that until I Google. And under the Patriots, it says Arena, Gillette Stadium, head coach Belichick, location New England, owner Robert Kraft, NFL championships. 2002, 2004, 2005, 15, 17, 19. That is actually incorrect. Those are the years that the Super Bowl was played in because the way the schedule works out, the playoffs are always, you know, in the new year in January and the Super Bowls in February. However, it's actually the previous year's season. So like for example, when the Patriots won in 2001, the game the Super Bowl was played in 2002, but this, it was the 2001 season where you know, at the time all 16 games were played September, October, November, and December all in 2001 just the way the schedule works out postseason and the Super Bowl is in 2002 so that kind of bugs me actually you know 2002, 4, 5, 15, 17, 19 it should be 2001, 3, 4, 14, 16, and 18 why does it bug me? I don't know but it does because it's incorrect and I like facts to be facts Anyways, folks, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I greatly appreciate all of your download listens and you enjoying each and every episode. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about either the Patriots, the Bruins, or anything else that we talked about today's episode, please reach out to me on social media at Murph's Card Town. You can find me on social media at Murph's Card Town, the new social media handle. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, dubbed Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop, please comment down your thoughts there below as well as that would be greatly appreciated as well. And while you're there, if you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you give this video a like rating. And also, please consider subscribing if you're new or haven't considered subscribing yet to the channel as that would be amazing as well. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And also, also before I go, don't forget about the sneak peek meet and greet August 25th at 6 p.m. The grand opening of Murph's Car Town Sports Shop August 26th at noon, all times in Eastern. And then obviously, if you want to pre-order a Murph's Car Town and Sports Shop or a Murph's Boston Sports Talk t-shirt, you can do so. Make sure you Venmo or cash at me, Murph's Car Town, with the shirt you want, the size, and the shipping address because shipping in the United States is free. $25 per shirt will get you a shirt shipped to your house when pre-orders end August 25th at 11.59 p.m. that night, midnight. But you can also buy shirts moving forward in the shop for $25 a pop if you do miss pre-orders. Folks, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for downloading, listening, enjoying. I'm your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. Have a fantastic weekend. Make sure you stay hydrated, stay cool. I will see you for Monday's episode. But until then, you know that I love you, and you know that I will always see you.